Hey there, hey there. Welcome to episode six of Uncomfortable with me, Nash. Woo! I have a lot going on in my head. I don't know if I'll be able to fine tune it to a point where I can decide what the name of this episode will be. But yeah, maybe I'll just call it Abstract 2.0. Because in that first abstract, I was just talking about whatever was on my mind. (sighs) For starters, it's December. Yay, we made it. No, like seriously, this is like a proper achievement. And it is worth celebrating because this year, these past two years actually have just been tough. We were hopeful going into this year, like maybe things will be better. And they weren't really. And just so many lives were lost along the way. So can we just have a moment of silence? Although the background music will just be going on. But still, a moment of silence for all the lives we lost this year. Right. Let's get into it. First thing that's on my mind, and I feel like I can say this clearly... Shit, I forgot to mute this. <laughs> there we go. I can say this freely because uh, only the people I want listen to my podcast, right? My little sister of 10 years old has got a boyfriend. Oh, Father God. I don't know what I'm more upset about. The fact that she has a boyfriend Or the fact that I had to hear it from my other sister. I mean, I always thought we had such a good relationship. She talks to me more than she talks to her. I mean, it's not competition. It's not competition. (laughs) But, you know, it made more sense, at least to me, that she would tell me first. Or at least tell me at all. So now I'm just here having to pretend I don't know nothing. But I know something. (sighs) Another thing is that. I thought I'd be more progressive about this. And I'm starting to think maybe I'm not as progressive as I would like to think I am. I'm not as progressive as I'd like to think I am. And you know what? It's okay. Because that's not how I was raised. I literally hid all my boyfriends from my parents until I found the one, which is the one I ended up marrying. Otherwise, mom would suspect here and there see little heart saved next to someone's name when they call in but it was never a confession from my part that I have a boyfriend because I wasn't allowed to and I've always thought I'm not going to do that to my kids and you know in a way my little sister has kind of like been my kid because I'm 17 years older than her so I don't know maybe I got the balance wrong between friendship and deputy parents I don't know. I don't know. But this is why people need to go to therapy. There's a whole lot of undoing that needs to be done with regards to like the way we were raised, the conditioning, so that I can be able to formulate my own feelings, my own responses. Because literally when I heard this, I really am not happy that my first thought was, What does she know about boys? Which is literally copy and paste from my parents. 
Otherwise, I will patiently wait for her to tell me about her little boyfriend. I'm just going to look at it as a prolonged play date. Yes. Yes. Some of the better news is that I finally found a therapist. Whoop, whoop. Ba, 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 ba. I found a therapist that I'm super, super excited about. She's got a good energy. I could even tell from like just talking to her about my first session, you know, just to find out more, basically vetting her. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited, but really, really, really nervous to start. And what made me just finally take the step and seek out a therapist is because I've just been having a lot of reoccurring trauma. You know, it's not traumatizing me now. It traumatized me then. I mean, like it's saved under the trauma file in my brain. But it's bothering me because why does it keep, you know, being sprung into my mind like a jingle that won't go away? You know, I could be doing the most mundane thing and boom. There it is. And, you know, I've been wanting to do a podcast, but, you know, in my mind, this is how it works. If there's something I need to get off of it, this is my space to do that. But I wasn't really ready to talk about it because I felt like, let me first go to therapy because I don't know how I will respond to talking about it, if that makes sense. But I'm already here and I can't think of another topic besides this reoccurring trauma. It's mainly two things. Three, but two, which I am willing to share. Maybe the other thing I'll share at a later stage. Maybe never. You never know. But the first thing is that... I don't know whether I mentioned, I'm pretty sure I did though, on the previous um, episode that I got a radio gig. Hey, if you're going to be in my room, you shush, pickles. That's my dog. So um, I got a radio gig and yay me. And it occurred to me now that uh, I'm going to be in the public eye. You know, I was told beforehand by my programming manager that you know being on radio it's about creating a brand for yourself because radio itself you don't get paid much but 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 if you market yourself correctly you become a brand because you have access to a platform where you have a lot of listeners you know people are here for you they're going to want to know about you they want to see your face. So that brings a lot of attention to me. And it's making me very anxious. And I thought I was over it. But clearly I'm not. Because why is it making me anxious? So a couple of years ago, long story short, um, I was defamation of character. I don't know how else to say it. On Facebook. 2013 
by someone who I considered a very, very close friend. So you can already get the sense from that that they had some dirt on me because they're a close friend. And I don't know what the misunderstanding was. But instead of coming to me to straighten it out, they decided to take it to the streets on Facebook and just vent about whatever it was they thought I did and then add a whole bunch of other unnecessary stuff to that, stuff that I had shared with this person in secret, you know. And when you encapsulate lies in a truth people will believe that all of it is true so there were some truths there were some lies but nobody was there for deciphering or dissecting what was what you know and it brought me a lot of unwanted attention (sighs) i ended up having to go to therapy for that that was the first time i went to therapy which is you know brings me back to previous of previous episode where i was like i felt like therapists were people who went through some shit or dealing with some shit that was the first time i went to therapy um but i think i only went like two or three sessions and i don't think they did what they were supposed to do because i was not consistent with it and i was doing it because the university said it was mandatory because i really really suffered like that whole debacle. And because Grahamstown is just so small where everybody knows everyone's everything. It's like a bubble. Everyone was just in my business. Everybody who saw the post or knew me, you know, and he tagged me. So whoever didn't know me could like click the link or the tag and go see my face, you know. So on campus, it was just very difficult to attend classes and, you know, That's when I developed the phobia of walking into spaces with people, whether it's a quad or a cafeteria. I see it now when I need to walk into like a boardroom and there's people, you know, my heart beats a little fast. I get really hot and flustered. So clearly I didn't deal with it, but I thought I was over it. You know, I just thought I found a way to cope with it. But clearly I haven't because now I'm finding myself in a position where I have to be in the spotlight again. And I don't know how I'm going to manage it. Because yes, my Instagram is private. But if I'm trying to be a brand um, or I'm trying to, you know, make a name for myself, I'm probably going to have to remove that private so that whoever wants access can have access. I can't even put like one of those little, you know, under the name where you write public figure. You can't, I can't do that if I'm on private. So I can't even write podcaster there um, unless I am public. And it just, oh, the thought of making my, my profile public, it's just daunting for me. So I feel like, that is one thing I need to go to therapy about. That's definitely one thing I need to work through. The second is a slightly more difficult thing for me to talk about. Um, I don't like how much power 
this has over me. I don't like how weak it makes me feel. So I don't know, maybe by just getting it out, maybe by talking about it here and to my future therapist, I'll find a way to be okay with it. So when I was five or six, what I am definitely sure about is that I moved to East London from Tata in 2000, and this happened before then, and I was born in 1993. So, 93. So, yeah, that age, around that age, five, six, or seven. But when I was in grade one, I was raped. I don't know if raped is the correct term for an ongoing thing. I think the term is molested, but that's such an ugly word. Oh, I hate that word. It just sounds like a terrible word. It's got negative connotations. It doesn't roll off the tongue nicely. But yeah, that I was molested. And it was by a neighbor, right? So back then, my family was still, you know, young, just got married, got with this one kid, and they got me a cousin. <laughs> I say it as though I say it as though it's a puppy, but they got a cousin, um, one of my mom's sister's children, to you know come stay with me because they weren't ready to give me a sibling. So, yeah, when we get home, mom would leave the key. We were living in like a block of flats, you know, a little like apartment type of thing in Tata. And so mom would leave the key next door and we were good with the neighbors. And the neighbors had a son. I think he was 17, if not 18, around those ages, though. So... My mom would leave the key there and if she was not home by the time we got back from school, we'd just go fetch the key there and open up because that kid was around always, which is why I say I think he was a little old because like why wasn't he at school? And so, yeah, it comes in bits and pieces, comes in flashes I think maybe as like a survival strategy, my brain has just edited out some bits. But I remember what counts. And that was that before he would give... Can you tell how hard this is for me to talk about? Before he'd give us the key, um, he'd be on some show me mine, I'll show you yours type of thing and you know in our eyes or in my eyes let me not speak for my cousin in my eyes this is an adult and not blaming my parents or anything but the way we were raised um you know adult is always right especially at that age and you can't be rude or refuse or say no to an adult. And like I said, bits and pieces, but he'd take us to 
the garage and there'd be like a car there that doesn't move the landlord's car that she doesn't use and he would pick me up and put me on the bonnet or the hood whatever y'all call it of the car and defile me there and this would happen often on occasions where mom left the key next door sometimes we'd be super relieved to get home and mom's there I do not remember how my parents found out. I don't remember telling them because we were just so scared. I don't I don't think I told them. I don't know how they found out, but I remember them calling us to ask us what's happening. And I described it to the best of my ability as a five, six, or seven-year-old, what was happening. And, you know, my mom broke down into tears and probably felt responsible or to blame. Also because my dad was working in a completely different province. So he wasn't home. He'd come home once every two months or something like that, though. But he was there for this. And... Yeah, I just think my parents just didn't know how to deal with it. You know, we opened a case. Um, I remember going to court. Oh, I never took the stand, though, but I remember going to court, not being too sure what's going on. Um, I don't even remember what happened with the case because that was around the time we moved from Tata and finally managed to buy a house in East London. So we moved to there. And before we moved, though, that was my very first time going to a gynae. I just remember, why is this doctor undressing me? <laughs> it was just really an uncomfortable experience. But it was uh, mandatory for the situation. So that was my first time, my very first time I went to a gynae, or like a rape kit, I suppose. Um, I vaguely remember going to like a child psychologist, but I just thought, oh my gosh, what is this cool place with all these toys? And I don't know if anything productive came out of that. I don't think, because I, I, I only remember going there once. My poor parents probably couldn't afford for me to keep going. And when we moved, I remember I'd have to keep missing school. I don't know what my parents would tell my teachers, but we'd have to keep going to Mtata, just like three hour, two, three hour drive, to keep going for these court cases and stuff. And to this day, I don't know what the verdict for that was because I remember my parents telling me we don't have to keep going there anymore. It's done. It's over. Um, but they did tell me to never say a word of this to anyone. 
if people ask or my friends at school ask why I keep leaving every month there are a couple of days I miss of school to go to Mtata um, I don't remember what I was told to say but I was told that it's not this never to mention this and literally since 2000 the year 2000 I've basically never spoken or told anyone about it including my parents it's not something we spoke about so it's been reoccurring you know replaying in my brain and you know I I don't know why I don't know why so I want to figure out why after such a long time of this being the best kept secret why it now keeps bouncing forth into my mind why it keeps playing over and over and it's it's it just bothers me i don't know what effect that that experience took on me i i'm sure it definitely played a role in molding the person I am today. But I don't think I can pinpoint what exactly that aspect is that it played. And I'm sure not being able to talk about it or being told not to talk about it or having to conceal it like it's a a big shame. Because I remember feeling like a bit of a fraud when I lost my virginity. Um, in 2010. Because I was thinking. If a virginity. If virginity. Is what I think it is. Or what I'm told it is. Then. That shit was taken from me. Years ago. But. Can't really talk about it. So as far as that dude is concerned, he was my first. And you know, in my mind, this is how I I, I structured it. He was my first because he was the first that I decided. You know, he's the first that I chose. That other one just thifted it. So... This is by far the most uncomfortable podcast I have ever recorded. (laughs) So, yeah. That's why I feel like I need therapy. Well, one of the reasons, two of the reasons why I feel like I need to see someone to help me work through what is going on in my head because like i said with the first thing i explained it's with the job i just got and now i'm anxious about this whole being on social or having a more prominent dominant social media presence but this second thing i don't know what the trigger could be or maybe i i I just cannot keep it anymore i i don't know i don't know 
I need to make sense of it though because it's driving me crazy. <sighs> and if I am to be a mom, I don't want to project any of my fears, any of my bad habits, any of my unresolved issues to my mini-me, you know? So it is my responsibility for me to take it upon myself to make sure I become that better person that that little me deserves. <sighs> it feels weird that I've said it. I don't even know if I'm going to publish this. But that brings us to the end of Uncomfortable with Nash. Until next time. Love and light. I know I said goodbye, but oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm now thinking of back when I was in varsity, you know, when, you know, there was a bunch of rape cases happening and people would take to the streets for silent pro protests you know, those I will not be silenced type of things. And, you know, I was, I would always feel bad because I'd feel like I should be taking part in this. I should be out there in the street marching with those girls. But then, you know, because it wasn't necessarily um, people who had had something like that happen to them that were marching, but just people that are in support of it. But I wouldn't even want someone to think that it is something that happened to me so i wouldn't march i wouldn't participate in any of those and i would just feel so bad my husband is home <laughs> okay now this is goodbye love and light proper